90.7 WTCC. Good morning. Welcome to the Spoken Word. Bishop Talbert Swan with you. 413-736-2781. Tell a friend, tell somebody the bishop is on the air. I got them live on Periscope, on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, They're chiming in from everywhere. The Bay Area of California, Chicago in the house. Rep your city, rep your town. Uh, Let me know where you're coming in uh, from. Um, I got Chi-Town. Cousin uh, Lisa is uh, with me uh, via Facebook. Elder Myron Peters, uh, Auntie Marion Baptiste, uh, Missionary Stephanie Johnson, good morning to you. Maurice Lavender, good morning, sir. Stacy Jones, Kathy Swanson, good morning. Earl Reed, good morning. Jesse Preacher Man, Reverend Burgess, everybody uh, who's chiming in on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, wherever you are listening to us. Once again, 413-736-2781. Morehouse is letting women in, uh, um, transgendered men, which are women who identify as men. Some may have had um, um, surgery. Um, others may have not. Um, so... Um, they're going to allow them to come in. Um, they're being criticized because they're saying they're discriminating against transgendered women, which are men who identify as women. I think the best thing for Morehouse to have done was just kept it like it was. Just admit men to an all-men's college. What's the problem with that? I'm not understanding. But, I, I mean, the reality is... You know, we've heard a lot of conversation about about um, um, toxic masculinity. We've heard a lot of conversation um, uh, about um, black men in particular um, as it relates to masculinity. And, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a little bit confused about it. Um, I'm a little bit confused. And the reason I'm a little bit confused about it is when you look at the statistics, particularly among black men, most of the men, most of the men who wind up in prison, uh, statistically, Uh, come from homes where there was not a father present. Um, Most of the young men who drop out of school come from homes where there was not a father or a significant male role model present in their life. Most who get caught up in crime and um, debilitating behaviors, drug abuse, etc., come from homes where there's a lack of a male role model present. I mean, the stats speak for themselves. When you look at most of the negative status indicators regarding black men, young black men, um, there's a direct link to negative behaviors 
and negative outcomes based on the lack of a father or father figure in the life of that individual. So if all of these negative status indicators can be linked to a lack of masculinity in their life, what is this notion about toxic masculinity and that we can use less masculinity when the numbers actually show we need some more masculinity in the lives of these individuals. And for whatever reason, for whatever reason, the image of the black man has been marginalized and emasculated to the point where his impact is becoming negligible across society. Um, um, and it's, it's been done with his participation at a certain level, but the intent more broadly has been clear. The intent is to completely immobilize the power of the black man to move, to lead, to protect his people, his women, his children, his families, and his communities. Um, there are all kinds of machinations that are in play that are designed to emasculate black men, that are designed to immobilize the innate strength that black men have, the innate strength of black masculinity. And when I talk about masculinity, I'm not talking about machoism. I'm not talking about machismo. I'm not talking about um, men beating each other or beating women or any of that kind of stuff. That That's abuse. That's that, that, that. Stop trying to make abuse synonymous with black masculinity because it's not. Okay, I'm talking about the innate strength of black men to endure what we've had to endure in this nation and continue to be positive role models in our families to protect our women, our children, and our communities. And there are machinations at play uh, to immobilize this innate strength. Um, 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 and, and, and you can just take a look. Take a look around you. Um is presented all of the time. You see this emasculated image uh, of black men that represents this feminized state of being um, that that people applaud, um, that, that 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 people somehow think um, speaks to strength of a black man. You know, because he can he can somehow. Um, traverse both worlds, um, feminine and masculine world. And so they applaud these images of black men being feminized. Uh, so uh, when a certain actor showed up at an awards show uh, clad in a, in a gown, people clapped their hands and praised him, you know, like, that was something to be lauded or applauded. Um, and, and see, this feminized, for whatever reason, this feminized state of being of black men 
It's tolerated by black women. Matter of fact, uh, they attack a man like me. Um, um, you know, they get on my social media and cuss me out. And they, you know, they call you dusty and ashy and all that kind of crazy stuff because, you know, uh, you think it's okay to be a straight black man <laughs> and to be masculine. Um, um, and being masculine and being a straight black man doesn't mean you discriminate against um, gay people or you discriminate against anybody else. But how come it is that the LGBT community can have their pride parades and their uh, their pride days and they can be lauded and uh, applauded and all of that, but the moment you applaud straight black men and um, um, traditional masculinity or masculine roles, you are labeled as a bigot. Why? Why am I a bigot? Because... I like who I am. You know, why can't I have pride in who I am? Uh, and so it's almost like a cuss word, you know, this cisgender black males, like, like we're the scum of the earth somehow. Um, um, and the reality is as much as black women tolerate this feminized version of black men, uh, um, it's not really respected as far as true manhood is concerned. Because one modality that has proven to be true is presented in this emasculated and feminized image of black manhood is what you see in Hollywood all of the time. All of these renderings. Watch. Notice that so many of our top black actors have been found in makeup and feminine attire with the exception of a very few. Um, most of the, the leading black men been placed in drag or some type of feminized role. And I know you'll say that white actors uh, have been as well, and they have, but let me suggest that the percentage of the white actors, top white actors that have been placed in drag in relation to the total number of white men in Hollywood as compared to the number of black actors and the total number of black men in Hollywood, it pales in comparison. And the intent is clear. It's obvious if you want to look at the facts. Um, look, Martin Lawrence, Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, Tay Diggs, Wesley Snipes, Ving Rhames, and the list goes on and on about our men who would otherwise appear masculine. They've been reduced in masculinity and presented to the masses in a feminized role. And we've subsequently experienced a rise in feminized behavior among young African-American males, uh, even in the modern rap culture. Um, it's being feminized. Um, the ability of the black man to lead is really dependent on the black women's trust in his ability to do so. And because of our failure, because I put the onus on black men, 
because of the failure of black men in so many areas, that trust is already only hanging on by a thread. Okay? Uh, because of our own doing, um, it's already hanging on um, by a thread. And, you know, the reality is um, black women will befriend and they'll confide in feminized men, but they don't follow them as leaders. That's that's real. That's real. Um, it, 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 it's real. Uh, the feminization of the black male image um, is a modality through which Black men are being emasculated. Black progress is being stalled. Um, um, the black collective only goes as high as our black women lead us, and we only get as far as our black men will lead us. It takes both masculinity and femininity. And if you feminize the black male, then the black community becomes completely feminized without masculine role models, without masculine leadership to lead our community where it needs to go. It takes both masculine energy from black men and feminine energy from black women to gain momentum and to move toward empowerment and liberation. Um, some of you may have been following um, Terry Crews. And as long as Terry Crews was talking about uh, toxic masculinity, as long as he was talking about um, um, black men being abusive and criticizing black men, black women lined up to support Terry Crews. The minute Terry Crews said fatherhood is important in the context of straight black male fathers oh man everybody that was clapping and singing his praises went south all of a sudden Terry Crews was cancelled because he said fatherhood was important what is going on in our community when somehow we 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 try to make traditional masculine models uh, 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 something that is negative, what 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 what's happening in our community? Where somehow some way. We're trying to make straight black men pariahs of society. And black women are jumping on the bandwagon with it. It's not enough. We already got white men and white women on our backs consistently. But then when our own women decide they're going to join the bandwagon... And I mean, just go on social media, go on Twitter, go on Facebook, go on where, uh, and you will see black women by the droves talking about straight black men as if we're the scum of God's earth. 
The reality is we've got to teach our young men to protect and respect our women, to honor their roles, and fathers to seek to develop these young men so that they can lead our communities into the future. Um, I mean, we we got to prepare uh, them to get out into that world that's going to be hostile toward them. Um, and, you know, like I said, I don't have a lot of time to talk about it, but I wanted to touch on it a little bit. Um, this emasculation of black men has got to stop. And we've got to stop treating straight black men as if there's some type of pariahs and um, uh, unwanted entities uh, within our community because we need them. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. How you doing, uh, Bishop Swan? It's a blessing to hear you. You know, I was sitting there listening to what you were saying. You know, what? what but what us young men got to do is that we need to teach our kids how to treat women where they can get control. You know, unfortunately, these young kids having kids and they move from kid from from mother to mother, and they always denouncing the woman. So the men has got to learn how to take control and teach their kids how to take control of their women. You know what I mean? Well, I don't. I, I agree with you in some part. I don't think we we don't we don't need to control women, but we do need to teach young black men how to treat right. women. But we also need to teach young. I have five daughters. We also yeah. need to teach young black women um, right. that they don't have to accept the type of mistreatment that 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 yeah. women get from men. Because uh, many times this can be nipped in the bud if sisters just tell them, you know, they're not having it. Um, I, I mean, that's the reality. Uh, and you, so you're right. Wife, we we got to deal with the I've black men. I've been whipping my wife for almost 40 years coming up in July. And in 40 years, I've never cussed at my wife and never raised her hand, my hand at my wife. And the reason why, because I had boys and I wanted them to treat their mama supposed to be treated like a, a queen or your sister to be treated or your daughter to be treated. And also, I teach my daughters that she, my wife teaches the daughters that she, they need to respect their husband too. You know what I mean? Because I grew up, in, when I grew up, my parents was in an abusive relationship. And I don't want that. And I realized it from a long time ago. And that's what we got to teach these kids. You have to learn how to love and forgive each other, you know? And it, it's got to start at home, man. Absolutely. It's got to start at home. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Thank you All for right. your call. God bless you. Yeah. 413-736-2781. 413-736-2781. If you want to chime in on that discussion. So, <clears throat> three black churches... Um, were burned in Louisiana by the son of a uh, deputy sheriff out in that area. Um, uh, very interesting. Um, and there are there are there are really two um, interrelated, um, uh, distinct meanings. Um, of the word sanctuary, which is a name that we give for our for our churches. It's a holy place uh, set aside for worship and praise and and the place in a Christian church where we find the altar. A sanctuary is also a place where we expect uh, people 
um, to be safe uh, from people who might want to capture them, who may want to harm them, uh, hence the term sanctuary cities. Um, So when a person burns down a church, they are simultaneously attacking a place that its members consider sacred and a place that its members feel safe and protected. And in the black community, the church has always been a place of empowerment. It's been a place where when society didn't accept us, the church did. When we couldn't be the CEO or the business owner in society, we could be the deacon, the trustee, the leader of a department in the church. It's always been the place that has empowered black people. And so when you burn a black church, you are really attacking the fabric of the empowerment of black society. Um, And when the members of a targeted congregation are black, okay, um, um, it puts a community on edge uh, when you burn their sanctuary. Uh, Historically, the opponents of civil rights and black people's forward progress have always struck back by attacking black churches, bombing black churches in Birmingham and and other places during the civil rights movement. Um, When St. Mary Missionary Baptist Church, Greater Union Baptist Church, and Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, three black churches in St. Landry Parish burned in a 10-day period, uh, starting on March 26th, the safe bet always was there was a arsonist on the loose. Uh, but I always thought that it was a white supremacist um, who was trying to uh, send a message. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Good, good morning, morning, caller. Bishop. Yes, good morning. Brother Peters in Baton Rouge. Yes, sir. The airways are, are booming with the situation in Louisiana where the sheriff's son torched three churches. 20, 20, to, that sheriff's son he's talking about is 21-year-old Holden Matthews, uh, a, a deputy sheriff's son. Uh, they had multiple clues that helped them zero in on him, uh, a charred gasoline can, surveillance video of his truck, records of his debit card, all kinds of things. And... Um, um, and this guy, um, who's been tied to white supremacist sites and, and the such, burned three black churches. Uh, it's a shame what's going on down there. Yes, sir, it is. And, of course, uh, unlike when someone black commits a crime, when somebody white commits a crime, they're trying to um, wash up his uh, character. Uh, he's such a good boy. Uh, we don't know uh, uh, what went wrong and. He's really a good person. No, you're not a good person when you vote buy gasoline and you go torch a church. You could have torched a barn or something else, but a, a, a church, something sacred as a church, you got a sick mind. I don't care who your who your daddy is, you got a well, sick well, mind. You know, you know that that that's the t- the typical mo. The typical mo when you get a crazy white boy who does stuff like this is to try to clean up his character. Oh, he just went astray, you know, 
you know, something happened, mental health. It's always a reason. Now, if you're black or brown, it's because you're innately violent. It's because you, yes, you, weren't, you weren't raised right. There's something wrong with you. Nobody talks about mental health and all of those types of things. The, the other thing that's important to note, if this young man was a Muslim, if he was um, 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 Middle Eastern, if he was black, he would have automatically been charged with terrorism. That would have been oh, yeah. the, the key word across the media. They're, they charge him with arson, which is a lesser mm-hmm. charge. And, and you mean to tell me a white boy with ties to white supremacist groups who you know hates black people, you know this is a hate crime, and you're going to say this isn't terrorism, this is arson, because of this notion in America that no matter how heinous the crime, a white yeah. man cannot be a terrorist. Yeah. The tweeting chief would have been all over it. Oh, absolutely right. And that clown up in the White House would have been tweeting death penalty and, and calling for sending him to Guantanamo Bay and all kinds of stuff if he was a Muslim or an immigrant or a black person. But because he's a white supremacist, you haven't heard a peep out of him. Not only have you not heard a peep out of him, but what about all these white evangelical preachers that are always talking about radical Islam, that are always talking about migrants at the border? What what, what about, I, I, I checked out Franklin Graham's um, timeline. I checked out Robert Jefferson's timeline and 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 John Hagee's timeline and all of oh, these man. various evangelical white leaders uh, who love Trump. I checked out their time and they haven't said jack about these black churches being burned. They never said jack about fifty Muslims being murdered in New Zealand by a guy who says Trump was his inspiration. But the moment an immigrant or somebody who's uh, tied to Islam does something, you can't shut these racist, white supremacist, so-called preachers up. You can't. And on the on the emasculation of our, our, our black entertainers, Dave Chappelle should always stand up to me as the standard bearer. He refused to put on a dress. And they tried to buy him for fifty million, and he walked away from it with his integrity intact, and tried to make him out to be a mental a mental case. Absolutely, absolutely. Appreciate you listening. Thank you for your call. You are four one three seven three six two seven eight one. Yeah, I, I mean it. It always, always, um, always trying to clean up these guys and you know for those of you who follow these white preachers ask the question in a parish St. Landry's parish is 60% white in a parish that's 60% white and predominantly Catholic there is no way that a person who wanted to strike out against established religion, which is, which is now the narrative. He was, he was trying to make a statement against religion. Would just randomly hit three small black Baptist churches 
not hit no Catholic churches, no white churches in a parish that's 60% white. That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. You know, trying to cover up racist acts, trying to justify uh, this bigotry and make it about something else. It's an attack on religion. No, it ain't no attack on religion. It's It's an attack on black people. Stop it. And it's domestic terrorism. You know, this notion that white men cannot be terrorism, it's domestic terrorism. And and that type of domestic terrorism has always been the hammer and the chisel that's been used to chip away at the humanity of black people in America by white supremacists. Always. This is nothing new. This is 1950 in 2019. This was the 1960s in 2019. And there's been a marked spike in white supremacist hate crimes during Trump's presidency. That's the reality. We had more hate crimes last year than we ever have in the history of America. Y'all want to pretend it ain't got nothing to do with the guy whose rhetoric continues to be an inspiration to these white supremacists. And speaking of which, let me let me segue um, and close out. Um, speaking of his rhetoric, um, Rep- Representative Ilhan Omar from Minnesota said. She's seen a significant increase in threats to her life since 46 minus one tweeted a misleading video about comments she made about the 9-11 terrorist attacks. She said that since Trump's tweet on Friday, she's received innumerable direct death threats and many of them referencing Trump's video Um, now this is on the heels of this is on the heels of the white supremacists who murdered 50 Muslims in New Zealand saying in his manifesto that Donald Trump and Candace Owens were his inspiration This guy tweets a video showing Representative Omar speaking at an event last month for the Council on American Islamic Relations, which is a Muslim civil rights organization, um, takes them out of character. Now, Omar is one of the first Muslim women um, to be elected to Congress. Um, And in, in referring to the 9-11 she said that uh, KR uh, was formed because they recognized that some people did something. She was talking about there were some folk who had ties to Islam who perpetuated the 9-11 attacks but she was basically saying all Muslims have subsequently 
um, been targeted ever since that. We understood the context of what she was saying. But, of course, Trump tweets out this video that mischaracterizes her words against the backdrop of the images of the 9-11 attacks, trying to insinuate that Representative Omar was making light of the 9-11 attacks, which is the furthest thing from the truth. And so she's been getting death threats. She was already getting death threats before this happened, um, thanks to the Democrats on that who were trying to paint her as anti-Semitic because she criticized APAC. Um, and now this fake president who, had, who doesn't have a presidential bone in his body tweets out this video attacking this congresswoman, putting her very life in danger because it's already been proven that his sick followers will act upon the inspiration they get from his rhetoric. That's evident in the man who murdered 50 Muslims, who said Trump was his inspiration. That's evident from the the guy who was sending pipe bombs to everybody, who said Trump was his inspiration. So it's obvious that these sick, demented white supremacists that follow Trump will act upon his violent, vitriolic words. Yet and still, he has no compass, no boundaries, no level to which he will not stoop. And he puts the life of this congresswoman in danger because of his hateful rhetoric. And then if someone acts upon those death threats, and I've seen tons of them, telling us she needs to be hung by her neck until she's dead, that go on Twitter, you'll find them. And when somebody, if somebody, God forbid, tries to act upon these threats, then Trump and all his followers will say, you can't blame this on Trump. He had nothing to do with this. This is on the individual. This man is sick. He's unfit to be president. And the Democrats are unfit to lead the Congress because they don't have the intestinal nor the testicular fortitude to impeach this guy. Nancy Pelosi is tiptoeing through the tulips and trying to be politically correct. Do you think the Republicans would have hesitated for one minute? To file impeachment proceedings? I'm tired of Democrats tweeting responses, tweeting condemnation, but you won't do anything substantive. Let, let, let me show you comparatively speaking. When, when Representative Omar said it's all about the Benjamins baby, when she was criticizing APEC and they said, oh, that's anti-Semitic. 
when it was really a lyric from a 1990s song by P. Diddy? Benjamin's referencing $100 bills. Um, um, Democrats went on the attack, calling her anti-Semitic or calling her comments anti-Semitic. As if anybody who criticizes Israel or APEC is automatically anti-Semitic. As if the human rights atrocities and violations uh, perpetrated by the Israeli government against the Palestinians cannot be criticized without you being anti-Semitic. So it was the Democrats who started this atmosphere of attack against Congresswoman Omar when they were pegging her for an anti-Semite. It went so far as they decided they were going to promulgate and pass a resolution condemning bigotry. It first started out as one condemning anti-Semitism that was targeted at her. Then it was broadened to condemn uh, all forms of bigotry. They pushed that meaningless resolution through Congress in response to their own colleague. But the damaging, hateful, dangerous rhetoric spewed by Trump, what they do about that? They don't censure him. They don't pass a resolution against his bigotry. But you'll do it for your own colleague? The Democrats right now are the biggest hypocrites in Congress. That's real. And then when Trump sends out his video, they put on their Superman Twitter capes and come to the rescue by tweeting out condemnation. Nobody wants you to tweet no condemnation. That's as worthless as the Republicans' thoughts and prayers every time somebody gets murdered by a semi-automatic weapon, but they won't do anything about gun reform. Tweeting condemnation of Trump's remarks without any substantive action is just as meaningless as thoughts and prayers after a school shooting. So, Democrats, you are no better than the Republicans as far as that's concerned. 413-736-2781. You've got people on Fox and Friends asking whether or not Omar is really an American first. Uh, on April 11th, there was an incendiary New York Post cover taking a shot at Representative Omar. And then came Trump's tweet the following day. I mean, this is... This is... This is, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. The fanning of the flames of hatred against a sitting black female Muslim member of Congress is reprehensible. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Good morning, Mr. Hill. 
Yes, good morning. I just want to weigh in on the uh, topics you're speaking of right now. And uh, the whole deal is, uh, what, what's the challenge with all of these 35, 40-year senators that's knuckling under to this guy? I mean, what has he got, a gun to their heads every night when they go to bed, or uh, they just want to get some monetary uh, replacements for what they're doing, which is none of them are really doing anything. So right now, you look at this guy right now, and, and you know, I've been saying it right along, is somewhere, somewhere, people got to step up to the plate and realize diplomacy that this guy is creating all over the world, uh, most of this stuff is going to be irreversible in another couple of years unless somebody step up to the plate, stop criticizing each other, and like you just mentioned, uh, the Democratic Party has got a hand to do what they need to do with this guy because the guy is totally unfit for being uh, a so-called president. So I just wanted to weigh into that, and you're, you're always on the same page as you and I and my thinking, uh, but these people all over the so-called government and uh, entity that, that needs to be doing stuff right now needs to step up to the plate big time. Thank you very much. Thank you for your call, 413-736-2781. Those of you who were trying to call in, I'll take your calls until show close. Um, there was a man who was arrested um, um, for threatening to kill the congresswoman, and the day after he was arrested, Trump comes out saying she doesn't like Israel. Um, I mean, just fanning the flames, just just keeping keeping the nonsense going. Um, that's what this guy is. He, he, he's supposed to be the guy who who um, tones down the rhetoric. He's supposed to be the guy who unifies uh, the nation. He's supposed to be the guy um, who is the voice of reason. But instead, he is the incendiary voice of hatred and division. That's what we have in the White House. I got to move out your way. I want to invite you out this Friday. If you're in the 413, uh, it is Holy Week. And we will have our annual uh, Good Friday service at Spring of Hope Church of God in Christ. We're at 35 Alden Street. Uh, right there at the, the Brick Church, right at Six Corners. At 7 p.m., uh, six churches will come together for the seven last words of Christ. Seven preachers, seven minutes each, seven last words of Christ um, will be preached on Good Friday. And, uh, of course, you're welcome to join us for Resurrection Sunday. Um, this coming Sunday, April 21st, uh, 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Spring of Hope Church of God in Christ. Would love to have you um, with us uh, on this week during our Holy Week services. I believe the Pastors Council of Greater Springfield uh, this evening will be meeting at the Gardner Memorial uh, Church uh, on Bay Street as it starts its Holy Week uh, Lenten services. Uh, I got to get out your way. James Lewis is in the studio. He's coming up next with mid-morning jazz and great black music. 
It's been my pleasure talking to you. Check me out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook at Talbert Swan. Until the next time I talk to you and you talk to me, always remember God loves you and so do I. Michael Brown, say his name. Say his name. Say his name.